Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. And I thought, you know, we could do a message on Solomon because Solomon had something that every leader must have. And that's the title of today's message, What Every Leader Must Have. Solomon has a quality. Solomon has a specific trait that every leader should desire to have. And every leader really should have. And that thing is wisdom. So if you're, what's the thing that every leader must have? Wisdom. That's what Solomon has that every leader must have. And so I, it was funny. I was thinking through, what do I do with wisdom? And I know that I get up here and I communicate and I talk almost every week. And this is basically what I do for a living. And I realized something about myself. I'm not always the best at describing things. I'm not the person. So for example, if you go out to eat with me, and you say, hey, what does that taste like? I don't know. It tastes like what it tastes like. You know, what's, what's spicy to me may not be spicy to you. What's sweet to me may not be sweet to you. And people, what does that taste like? Well, what does that taste like? I don't know. It tastes, I don't know. I like it. It tastes, you know, it's chicken. It tastes like chicken. I don't know what to tell you it tastes like. It just tastes good to me or it tastes bad to me. I don't like it. You should try it for yourself to see if you like it. I realized, I, and then I, then I was thinking back to, to last month, we went to Alaska, which was an amazing vacation. It was a great trip. I really enjoyed it. And so many people said to me, what was it like? I don't know. It, there were mountains and it was, it was about 60 degrees outside when I was there and we met some animals and we saw some glaciers and I can show you some pictures. I showed some people some pictures. Now in my defense, for someone who has no experience in photography, I took some decent pictures. I, I really did. But there were some people I could tell when I was showing them pictures, they were like, would you please just get your phone out of my face? I don't need to see these pictures. I can go by myself or I can go to Google Images or Google Maps. Would you just put the phone down and just have a conversation with me? I'm like, okay, I'll get the phone out of your face. But, but I, 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 you know, I, I'm not the best, you know, we went in this plane and it was really cool and we went up through Denali, which is the highest peak in all of North America and people were, what's it like? I, you know, I'm not that guy. Oh, you know, the tip of the mountain kissed the sky as the snow ran down like Santa's white beard runs down his belly. I don't, you know, what I, I don't know. I don't talk like that. And I'm not going to pretend to talk like that. I can't tell you what it's like. Just go there for yourself. You can drive, you can fly. There are many different ways to get there. But I'm, I, I noticed, I, I just can't really capture a moment. I can't describe things very well. We had a friend who asked me how Alaska was. I said, it was good. And he said, I'm going to go talk to Kim because you're clearly not going to be able to tell me what this was like. And I'm just, that's just not who I am. And as I was thinking through that, and I was thinking through this concept of wisdom, I was looking all over the place for different definitions of wisdom. And I, I was really having a hard time finding a definition, and I was like, that's a one-size-fits-all definition of what wisdom is. And people have asked me before, what exactly is wisdom? Oh, well, you know, wisdom is this or that, you know, and you kind of talk around it. Think about that for a moment. If somebody asked you what was wisdom, don't respond out loud, but think to yourself, what would you say? What is wisdom? What exactly does it look like? And then I was reading one author who was talking about wisdom, and he said something that was brilliant to me. He said, wisdom is one of those things that's really hard to gain a definition for, but when you see it, you know it. When you see somebody with wisdom, you just know that they're walking in wisdom. You, you probably have people in your life that you would say to yourself, that person's a wise person, or that person is an unwise person. 
We have people like that as well. And wisdom is one of those things that, yeah, you could maybe get a one-sentence definition. Oh, it's applied knowledge. It's this, it's that. But really, when it comes down to it, wisdom is one of those things that's difficult to have a one-size-fits-all definition. I was like, I can't describe it. But you know what? Other people are having a hard time describing it. But here's what we do know. While we may not always be able to describe it, while we may not always be able to give an accurate depiction, here's exactly what it is. When we see it, we know it. When you see somebody act in wisdom, you're like, that was wisdom. Some of you know somebody with wisdom, and you know that when you're going through something, that you can go to them, and they will typically have some type of advice that will help move you in the right direction. We may not always be able to take it and put it in a bottle and have our nice little definition so that we can identify it and move on with it, but we know this is what wisdom looks like. And one of the reasons I believe that we can begin to kind of identify wisdom, but we don't really always know how to define it, is because wisdom itself ends up leading towards that which is good. And unwise decisions typically end up leading towards some type of destruction, which could open up the door to evil or bad things. And we all have a pretty clear definition of good and evil. I actually like this definition, this concept of good and evil. This is from Dr. Jordan Peterson. You see this quote up on the screen. I'll see if I can. Yes, he said, it, good and evil. He said, it's Sherlock Holmes or Moriarty. It's Batman or the Joker. It's Superman or Lex Luthor. Charles Francis Xavier or Magneto and Thor or Loki. It's Abel or Cain and it's Christ or Satan. He goes on to say, if it is working for the ennobling of being, for the establishment of paradise, then it's Christ. If it's working for the destruction of being, for the generation and propagation of unnecessary suffering and pain, then it's Satan. That's the inescapable archetypal reality. See, there's, I love that. There's this inescapable archetypal reality within every single one of us, no matter what your faith background is, no matter where you come from, that we can somehow identify what good and evil is. It comes out in our writing. It comes out in the stories we tell. It comes out in our desires. And because we can identify good and evil, I believe that that's what comes from, hey, now we can see what's wise. We can see what's unwise because that which is wise starts working towards that which is good. And that which is unwise starts to work towards that which could be destructive, which could eventually lead towards that which is evil or wrong or harmful. It's something that exists within us that we can't always necessarily fully describe it, but we know that it's there and we know that it's something that could be useful and helpful for us. So how do we exactly gain wisdom? How can we begin to use wisdom and walk in wisdom? Well, for us to discover that, we are going to take a look at Solomon, King Solomon. And this first point, this is like two weeks ago when I had a first point that blew your mind. This one here is really going to blow your mind as well. If you want to have wisdom, ask for wisdom. Really? I mean, that's, that's it right there. If you want to have wisdom, ask for wisdom. And I get it. We don't all always like to ask for things all the time. I'm really bad at asking for certain things. Other things I don't mind asking at all. For, I, I don't really love asking for directions. I always say to Kim, I'll figure it out. We'll get there some way. I don't need to ask the phone. We'll figure it out. I have a general sense of direction. I know where I'm going, even if I don't. For some reason, that's something I don't like asking for. Other things I don't mind asking for. In fact, my friends before have told me that I'm a bit of a freeloader. I'll just take things from people. Ask Neil and Lindsay. I'll go to their house. I'll open up their fridge and see what's in the fridge. I don't care. You know, it's why starting a church wasn't too difficult for me. I went and asked people for money. Hey, can you give us some money? We're starting a church. You know, I could just be a bit of a freeloader sometimes. I, I remember a, a number of years ago, I was working at a camp with a friend. 
and cars were coming through, and we were unloading the uh, we were unloading the cars, and, uh, and the campers were getting out and registering for camp. And this one family came through, and they had an unopened Sprite in their car. And I said, "Hey, can I have that?" And they said, sure, you can have it. And my friend looked at me afterwards, and he scolded me as if I had done something horribly wrong. He said, Scott, you don't ask people for that stuff. I was like, why would I not ask anybody for that? It was unopened. Nobody was drinking it. And they wanted to give it to me. They said, yes. <laughs> they, they said, yes. People will give you things if you just ask. Because people don't know how to say no. You don't know how to say no, do you? Right? You don't know how to say no. Other people don't know how to say no either, so just ask. But if you just ask for wisdom... You can have wisdom. This is how the whole thing starts with Solomon. God comes to Solomon and he says to him, basically, hey, what do you want? It's basically what he says. He says, anything you want is yours. What do you want? Think about that for just a moment. What a revealing question or statement that would be. If God approached you and said, hey, whatever you want, what do you want? Imagine you're in that space for just a moment. What would you say? Right now, like, what's your immediate gut reaction? Not the, oh, I thought about this for a little while, and, you know, I would just, I would just want more of God. Okay, that's the good holy answer. Glad that some of you would say that. But what was your knee-jerk reaction? What was your knee-jerk reaction of, if God was in front of me right now, the creator of all things, who has everything in his hands, and if he was in front of me, even if you don't believe in God, but pretend for a moment that you do believe in God, and he came to you and said, hey, what do you want? What would you say? It reminds me of that passage that we talked about about a year ago in Mark chapter 10, when Jesus is talking to James and John, and James and John came to, come to him and say, hey, we want you to do whatever you'll ask of us, and, and whatever we ask of you, Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? They said, oh, we want to sit on your right and your left hand in glory. And then in the next story in Mark 10, Jesus approaches a man, blind Bartimaeus, and he says to him, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus asked to be healed. He asked for something that only Christ could give him. James and John wanted status. They wanted to be noticed. They wanted, they wanted to be seen. What does your answer to that look like if God were to approach you and say, hey, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? What would you respond with? Because Solomon's approach with this, and Solomon, think of this, all the things he could have asked for, he would have known the history of his people and how amazing God was and everything that God had done before. And Solomon asks for wisdom. Look at this in 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon said, So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. So some of your translations said he asked for wisdom. He asked for an understanding heart. And the scriptures say that it pleased the Lord that Solomon asked for this thing. Then God followed up with that and said to Solomon, hey, there's going to be nobody before you or after you who has ever been like you. Basically, you will be the wisest person to ever live. And I'm going to give this to you. And because you asked for this, then along with that, I will give you great wealth. Along with that, I will give you material possessions. Solomon could have asked for that. Hey, I just want wealth. I want material. But, but he asked for something that only God could give him. What would it look like if our hearts were so pure and so clear that when we walked into a conversation with God, where our prayer requests were not just for, oh, I just, you know, I just want to become, you know, I just want to be a millionaire. I just wanted this. I wanted that. You know, what if it was us asking God for only what he could give us? And Solomon asks for wisdom and God gives it to him. 
I've heard it said before that wisdom comes with experience, and it does. Wisdom can come with experience. And oftentimes we then just think, oh, you know, wisdom is with the people who are older than us. And it can be. It can be. But wisdom doesn't have to just come through experience. Wisdom doesn't just have to come through living a lot of life. Sometimes when we also say wisdom comes from experience, I think it carries with it the the notion that, oh, wisdom comes after I do something stupid. And I've learned from that stupid thing, so I will not do that stupid thing again, and now I have some wisdom. Guess what? You don't have to do something stupid to gain wisdom. You don't have to do it. You don't have to to learn the hard way to gain wisdom. One of the ways that you can learn from experience is to learn from somebody else's experience. You can watch somebody else's life and say, oh, they did that, so I am not going to do that. I am going to choose the wise choice because that was clearly an unwise choice and decision. But wisdom doesn't have to just come through experience. Wisdom can come from simply asking God. Being willing to say, God, will you give me wisdom? Because God generously gave his wisdom to Solomon, and that wasn't just for Solomon. The wisdom that he had will surpass most likely the wisdom that any of us will ever have because God said, hey, I'm giving you wisdom that will surpass everyone for all of time, basically, all of the kings before you and after you. But there is a wisdom that has been made available to us. And James, the brother of Jesus, wrote about this in James chapter 1, verse 5. Look at this. He said, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to you. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, oh, God will consider it. He doesn't say, oh, God will think about it. He doesn't say, oh, God will take some time and wonder if he wants to. No, ask God for wisdom and he'll give you a little bit when you need it. No, he will generously give it to you. For some of us, All we need to do to gain some wisdom is be willing to ask God. Be willing to have that conversation. Be willing to say, God, will you please give me some wisdom? God, I don't know what to do right now. I don't know where I should go. I don't know what's next. I don't know how to speak into this decision. God, will you give me some wisdom? Because the Holy Spirit of God is dwelling inside of us, and Christ says that he will speak through us through his Spirit, so we have to remember that that, that there is wisdom within us as God is dwelling within us, and God himself is wisdom. And if we ask for it, he will give it to us. And sometimes I think we get wrapped up in, you know what, just based off of my past or what I went through, I don't know if God would give anything to someone like me. And Solomon could have easily kind of gotten wrapped up in that mindset as well. Solomon's mother was Bathsheba, and Bathsheba's relationship with David was a result of the worst decision that David ever made. He stole Bathsheba, took her, treated her like a piece of property, and then had her husband killed. Solomon could have easily thought, oh, you know, I'm a product of my dad's worst decision. I'm a product of something dark. I'm a product of something that, I, you know what? I, I don't even know, could I even ask God for wisdom because look at where I came from. Look at what my life is a result of. And we can't continue to buy into these narratives that, oh, because of where I've been or because of what happened to me or even because of what I've done, some of it, it isn't what, some of us, it's not what happened to you. Some of it's, you know, some of us, it's, hey, I did some pretty dumb stuff. I did some dark stuff. I was walking in sin for some while and I just really don't know. But in Christ Jesus, there is a wholeness, there is a forgiveness, there is a freedom. And when we've come to know him, he says, hey, ask and you will receive. 
And, and James said, hey, if you ask for wisdom, he will give it generously to you. Don't allow something that happened to you or something that you've done keep you back from asking God for what it is that he desires to give you. And he desires us to become people who walk in wisdom, which leads to our second concept today, that you are given wisdom so that you will walk in wisdom. Pretty obvious. When you are given wisdom, you, it's given to you so that you will walk in it. John Davidson talked about this to a degree a couple of months ago when he gave a message on the parable of the talents. Jesus gave this parable, and a, a master gave five talents to one servant. He gave two talents to another. Let's, you know, for our context, let's say he gave five bags of money to one servant. He gave two bags of money to another servant, and he gave one bag of money to another servant. And the one with five bags, he went and invested the funds, and the one with two, he went and invested the money, and then the guy with one, he went and hit it. He, he, he hit it. And the master returned. And the one with five and one with two, he's like, hey, good job. You guys are great. And the one with one, he said, why would you bury this? I gave you this so that it would be used. I gave you this because there was a purpose behind it. I gave you this because there is value. And when God gives us wisdom, he doesn't just give us wisdom so that we can hold on to it, so that we can be quiet observers. No, he's given us wisdom to walk in wisdom, but that can be a little bit intimidating at times because wisdom is not just silence. Sometimes wisdom requires us to speak. Sometimes wisdom requires us to get involved. Sometimes wisdom requires us to say something. And this is what happens with Solomon. As soon as he receives this wisdom from God, a little situation arises in, in the kingdom. See, there's these two women, and uh, they have interesting lives. And uh, one of them has a baby. Then three days later, the other one has a baby. And late at night, one of them rolls over on top of her baby and kills her baby while she's sleeping. And she wakes up and says to herself, you know, and I got an idea. I will take my dead baby and switch it out with this other lady's living baby. So then when she wakes up, she'll be the one who thinks that she has a dead baby. So, the, so she makes this whole switch, and this other woman wakes up, and she sees it. She's woken up with a dead baby. She's like, this baby is not my baby. And she sees the living baby in the other woman's arms and says, that is my baby. Because, you know, mothers can kind of tell which baby is theirs. And so the two women were like, we got we to solve this. Because one lady's like, it's my baby. And the other says, no, it's my baby. So they go before King Solomon to, just, to, to figure this whole thing out. And the lady's like, one lady's, hey, it's my baby. And the other says, no, it's my baby. And they're going back and forth. And then Solomon brings out a sword. And he says, I, here's what we're going to do, guys. We are going to cut the baby in half. Then each of you can have half a baby. The one lady says, no, don't do that. The other lady says, that sounds like a good idea to me. There are a lot of sick and twisted people in this world, folks. There are a lot of sick and twisted people in the scriptures. This lady's close to the top of the list. Her idea is to cut a baby in half. Yeah, let's do that. That's fine. Okay, this is, you know, it's just a little dark and twisted. Solomon says, okay, here's what we're going to do. The woman who said, don't kill the baby, she's the mother. And so then he then gave the baby to the woman who said, don't kill the baby, because obviously the real mother would never want to see the baby die, even if the baby ended up with someone who was not their mother. So Solomon said, the woman, that, that, he had wisdom, he had discernment. He put out a test that, that showed the motives, that showed the heart behind each woman. And then look at this in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 28. It said, when all of Israel heard of the judgment... And get this up here. When all of Israel heard of the judgment which the king had handed down, they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. 
When we are given wisdom, we are given wisdom so that we will walk in wisdom. And says that all the people of Israel saw that God had marked Solomon with this wisdom, and it was given to him to administer justice. When you are given wisdom, you are given a new responsibility. When you are given wisdom, you are given the capacity, you are given the leadership, you are given the influence to then begin to speak into different situations and ideas. Now, please make sure that you're invited to speak into these things. We don't want to just be opinionated people who are speaking into whatever we want to speak into whenever we want to speak into it. But you are going to be invited to speak into different things. You're going to have to say something. But for us to adopt this view of wisdom, for us to adopt this concept to say, I'm given wisdom so that I will walk in wisdom, we are going to have to take a shift in our perspective because oftentimes what I've noticed is we view faith strictly as a crutch. You know, my faith, the faith that I have, you know, it's just here to help me get by. The faith that I have, you know, it's just God is here to comfort me. God is here to give me peace. God is my ever-present help in times of trouble. All of those things are true. None of those things are untrue. Every single one of them is true. But that's just a singular, limited view, version of faith. Faith is not just meant as a crutch to carry you through and to get you by whatever it is you may be going through. Faith is not just a crutch. Faith is also a catalyst for you to become who you were designed to be. Faith is not just a crutch of, oh, I'm going to get by. No, faith is a catalyst so that when you have the faith to ask God for wisdom, he will then push you into the new responsibility. He will push you into the new call. He will push you into what he shaped you and designed you and who he has called you to be. But you have to be willing to say, God, I have the faith to ask you for wisdom. I don't know what that's going to lead to. I don't know who you're going to ask me to speak to. I don't know what I'm going to have to say. It's a little bit intimidating. I'm going to have to go to some spaces that I'm unsure about. But you know what? Here's what I recognize. My faith, sometimes it can be a crutch, but it's not just a crutch. My faith is also a catalyst that will push me and propel me into the person that you've designed me and called me to be. And so are we willing to have the faith to say, God, give me wisdom so that we can then walk in that wisdom so that we can become who is, so that we can have the responsibility that he's asking us to have. Responsibility is intimidating. It can be nerve-wracking. But as when they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. When we embrace the responsibility, when we embrace our faith as a catalyst to become who God has called us to be, our influence will begin to grow, not because of anything we've done, but because of everything that he has given us. And while our faith does help us in dark seasons, our faith also empowers us to help others. And we are given wisdom to walk in wisdom. And then lastly, wisdom exists in all places. Wisdom exists in all places. I want you to think about that for just a moment. You don't have to just come to church on a Sunday morning to find wisdom. You don't have to go to a story group just to find wisdom, although I would highly recommend going to a story group. They're, they're fantastic. Oh, and by the way, an, another way to have wisdom, this is just you know, a little free extra point. Uh, the scriptures say that if you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. And the companion of fools will suffer harm. Surround yourself with wise people and you'll begin to walk in wisdom. And what better place to do that than a story group that we have openings for right now and you can sign up for at newstorybuffalo.com. Thanks. But wisdom exists in all places. You don't have to just wait for a Sunday morning. You don't have to just wait for your story group. You don't have to just listen to a religious podcast to find wisdom. 
The wisdom of God exists in all different places. And the wisdom of God is actually something you carry as you walk as a follower of Christ. And all of us exist in all different places. All of us are in different seasons of life. Some of you are parents, some of you are grandparents, some of you are, some of you are husbands and wives, some of you are students, some of you are, are working as managers somewhere, some of you are working in fast food, some of you are just, we are all over the place. But wherever God's people are, we carry with us the wisdom of God and his wisdom can exist in all places. It doesn't just have to be limited to, oh, here's a religious experience that I'm in. We actually see that God uses his wisdom through Solomon to infiltrate so many different spaces and places. Look at this in 1 Kings chapter 4. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all the men. I'm going to skip some of these names because they're a little bit strange. But you get the point. The sons of, and his fame was known in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon, even to the hyssop that grows on the wall. He spoke also of animals and birds and creeping things and fish. In modern language, we could even say that Solomon was speaking into things like botany and biology. With the Proverbs, he's speaking into the arts and poetry. It goes on to say, men came from all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. We see here that Solomon didn't just have to go to the temple or to the tent or any of those places to gain wisdom, but wisdom was existing in all places because God was with Solomon wherever he went. And wherever you find yourself, you can carry with you the wisdom of God. You don't have to just wait for one specific experience at one certain time. Whatever it is you find yourself being passionate about, whatever you find your gifting being, you can carry in that space the wisdom of God, just as Solomon was doing with Proverbs, as he was doing with, as he was doing with talking about the trees and the animals. The wisdom of God was flowing out in every single one of those places and spaces. That wherever you find yourself, you can carry with you his wisdom. And here's the other really cool thing about this. First Kings 4 said that people from all nations were coming to hear the wisdom of Solomon. When God set apart the people of Israel, he set them apart to be a light to the world, a hope to all nations. This is one of the few times in the history of Israel where Israel is actually fulfilling the intention that God had for them where people are coming from other nations to find hope and light. As we read through the history of Israel, time and time again, they're coming up short of doing this. They're, they're, they're separating themselves, from, they're coming up short. But this, in this moment here with Solomon, as Solomon is walking in the wisdom of God, he is li- Israel is living in the intention that God had for them. And so here's what I know to be true, is that when we walk in the wisdom of God, we can begin to live in the highest intention that God had for us. When we begin to embrace the wisdom that he has has for us, we will begin to be the light of the world, the city on the hill that we have been called to be as the church. And the wisdom of God is not to be something that puts us above others, but it's supposed to be something that brings others in as Solomon's wisdom was doing. The wisdom of God brings us into our highest intention. In fact, it was from his wisdom that God started this entire order of creation. Solomon wrote the majority of the Proverbs, and in Proverbs chapter 8, this gets me so excited, I wanted to share this with you. He's talking about wisdom and how God created through his wisdom in the order of creation. Starting in Proverbs 8, 27, he said, When he, that he is God, established the heavens... 
I was there. Solomon is not talking about himself. I was there. He's talking about wisdom. So you can say, wisdom was there. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above. When the springs of the deep became fixed. When he set forth the sea its boundaries so that the water would not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him as a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. What is Solomon saying? You're saying, when I was with him, I was there. When, when God spoke creation in existence, he created from a place of wisdom. And for those of you who've maybe wondered before, am I a mistake from God? Am I, you know, is my life just a mistake? Am I a mistake from God? The answer is no. You are not a mistake from God. Your life is a manifestation of the wisdom of God. Your life is an outpouring and the working of the wisdom of God. Because out of wisdom, he created. And out of wisdom, he created you. And he has called you and designed you to carry with you wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom, the wise person is not the critic. We think that the wise person is the critic because the critic stands off at a distance and the critic observes everything and the critic never really invests in anything and the critic is oftentimes the cynic. But the critic and the cynic, that is not the wise person. Wisdom does not criticize, wisdom creates. Because we see that from creation, God used his wisdom in that act. And he is calling you to become the beacon and the light of wisdom, to live in your highest intention as you walk in wisdom. And as we as the church walk in wisdom, this wisdom that exists in all places as God goes with us, what we will begin to find is that we will not be critical, but we will begin to create. We will create, we will innovate, we will restore, we will bring new creation and new life. And the wisdom that has been given to us by God will be the testimony to others that we are here to be the city on the hill and a light to the world and a hope to all nations. That's the testimony that we will carry with us as the church as we walk in wisdom. So do you want wisdom? Ask for wisdom. When he gives it, begin to walk in it. And when we begin to walk in it, let's remember that the wisdom that he has given us, he has given us that it, to exist in all places, in all spaces, at all times. If you guys would stand as we continue to worship this morning.